With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Courtside with Joe Morelli. Joe Morelli, of course, is the head boys basketball beat writer for Game Time CT in the Hearst, Connecticut Media Group. And we are into week three, week three of the high school basketball season. Uh, kind of a staggered start. We had some quarantines. We had some cancellations. We had a bunch of weather going along. It's not been a real... Uh, a real smooth start to the season, but hey, we're in COVID, so I, I, I guess we're used to it now. Joining me as always is, of course, the eponymous Joe Morelli. Joe, how you doing? Welcome back to another edition of Courtside with you. Thank you. Um, maybe I'm getting a little anxious. I've, I've seen one game in two weeks. I've seen some on NFHS like most people, but uh, um, I've had more games canceled than um, played. As you mentioned, uh, two games I was going to see this week, Hill House Cross last night. Notre Dame, Notre Dame Fairfield at Colby Cathedral today. Unfortunately, Notre Dame and Hill House are both in quarantine. So they're missing a week and a half, 10 days, two weeks, what it is. We already know about West Haven. There are several other programs across the state that yeah. have had issues. And then we knew it was going to be like that. And so mm-hmm. it makes it – you get excited, but it makes it hard because you want to look forward to going. And unfortunately, this – it's just the nature of what we're dealing with. People think there are people out there who don't think it's real. Well, let me tell you something. It, it is real for those teams. If somebody, yeah. One kid yeah. gets it or, or somebody associated with the program, you have to shut down and quarantine for two weeks. You know, people are fighting about fans and about whether they should be in or not. These are not easy decisions. These are not easy things. But like you said, Sean, we have a season. We have a poll. We, we, we have the cream rising to the top early. And um, again, we take it week to week here. Yeah, like you were saying, uh, Port Bridgeport, Harding, and uh, Bassett were so, supposed to play on on Monday, and then the weather came along and wiped them out, and yeah. uh, you know all sorts of stuff like that. So you know, like you said, we we knew this was going to be a problem, and I don't think the shock of how much of a problem is really ever wears off. And you know, like you said, there are a lot of people with a lot of opinions out there. There are a lot of people who sure. think everything should be full go, no no big deal everything back to normal and then you have the other side which has been the state's thing uh, throughout this whole pandemic which has been very conservative as far as like safety first let's make sure everything is you know let's not take any chances and you know i know that's uh, really frustrated a lot of people and maybe you know you know a lot of coaches and you know but again listen these are uncharted waters here and i don't think right. there's any you know i don't think there are any good or bad decisions um i just think that there are ones that are just proven right over time uh, let's put, let me put you, let's put it this way. You you and I are kind of in agreement. We've been in agreement since the start of this. Yeah. I, I don't fault people. If I was a parent, I want to see my kid play too. Yeah. I would. But what, all I'm going to say is this. It's easy to criticize and Monday morning quarterback and second guess when you're not making the decision. Right. The superintendents are the ones that have to make those decisions. I may not agree. You may not agree with these people or whatever may the, the process may be. It is not easy and you're dealing with kids. So until you – until – you could prove to me that it's safe for them to play despite having the virus. It's not going to happen. So yeah. no use complaining about it. As much as I want to go see a game, you know, it is what it is. You understand the situation that we're in, and hopefully we can get, all get through it and uh, try to have some semblance of the season, which is what we're doing right now. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for a lot of the seniors, you know, especially the football seniors back then. But, you know, at least sure. the basketball players, you really have to look at this as a glass half full because otherwise you drive yourself cuckoo. Um, you know, at sure. least you're playing. Yeah, I know that we're not going to have a state championship. That's a bummer. Second straight year, not no state championship. Yeah, it, look, this is all a bummer. And, you know, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. The governor's office just opened up, uh, you know, the uh, testing, which – you know, depending on where you are on that, maybe a good or a bad thing. But I know uh, that vaccines, you know, if provided they get them all here, are around the corner. The light is at the end of the tunnel, and we. But unfortunately, fortunately, it's not going to be 
we're not going to be out of this by the time, you know, basketball season ends. So we're just going to deal with what we have to deal with. Um, we're just uh, a little bit later. Our guest today is going to be Drew McClellan, the head boys basketball coach at Ridgefield High School. The, the Ridgefield, which seems to just is dominating the FCAC. Well, they're the FCAC champions three out of the last four years. What a great job he's done taking over for Carl Charles. You know, we'll talk to him a bit, a little bit about his team and a little bit of how that, how the FCAC changed over the years and, He's also got some thoughts on, you know, if we get back, when once we get back to a state championship uh, season, he's got some thoughts too as well about how to run those. And he's in a unique position being a, a, a strong public school in the FCAC, coming out of there, being one of the top seeds in the Division One tournament. And then the next thing you know, you know, you got to play Windsor in the second round. So, um, you know, so that he's got a unique position. We'll talk to him a little bit later. Joe, before we get to uh, Coach, Let's take a look at the top 10 real quick, run it down. You know, uh, what are, what are the major changes? Well, well, we'll start with Richfield. And I just want to say he's got coach McCullough has an interesting backstory. He's come here by the way of Chicago. Um, mm. So we're going to get into that with him as well. Uh, they're tied for six this week. Um, they're three, and know, and their average margin of victory has been over 35 points a game. Uh, number one is still East Catholics. They're still unanimous. And looking at their schedule, I'd be hard pressed to see anybody beating them. So I'm in the regular season. So I, I can't see them losing their spot in the number one spot. So you've heard it here. That must be a prediction, but it is what it is. And then again, you have Windsor and Northwest Catholic. Two, three. Hopefully, by the time we reconvene, we will have those teams that played Windsor and Northwest Catholic next Monday night. Fingers crossed. We'll see. The game is scheduled for at Northwest Catholic. I believe you may have been there the last time uh, those two teams played in the semifinals, CCC. Yep. Uh, people yeah. So it's Northwest Catholic beat them, beat Windsor. Um, and Matty Curtis is a special player. They've got a nice program, and uh, it's going to be a, that's going to be a battle. I mean, Windsor's young, but you know Windsor's Windsor. So, uh, so there might be a little bit of shakeup in the two-three spot. Notre Dame West Haven had the biggest jump to me, uh, the winning at Wilbur Cross uh, by 18 in the Fieldhouse um, last Tuesday. So they went from six to four. They're undefeated at four and zero. Sacred Heart's been kind of bouncing around. They were the topic last week, obviously, with the school closing. It looks like now that the hope, there's really no hope of them reviving. Although people are trying, it looks like it's going to close. So anyway, they won their first game against Holy Cross uh, last week. Ironically, because of teams on pause, the next game is Friday at Holy Cross. And then Saturday against Naugatuck on the road. Uh, Naugatuck was five last week. They're the only team that dropped out a very... I don't know. They lost at St. Paul, and it's something I would never have expected. A great job by St. Paul. Uh, Nogatuck drops out of the top ten. I think they're really good, but, you know, maybe they need a little bit of wake-up call. So we'll see how that goes for them. As I said, Richfield is tied with Bristol Central, who's uh, moved up from the 10th spot in preseason. They're now tied for six under, behind seven-foot center, Jonathan Klingen, who last week received a, his 18th, I believe, Division I offer to Michigan. Michigan, his favorite. Uh, Howard, obviously, uh, favorite in the team. mix. It's amazing. It's eight, 18 Division one scholarship offers. I, I can't remember. Was, wasn't he? That's his favorite team, isn't it? His program I believe that's up what he Michigan. said on our podcast last. It was a year ago. Yeah. I haven't gone back and listened. So, so yeah, so maybe exciting. that's the one he was waiting for. But um, I don't think he makes a decision until the summer at the earliest. So, so we'll see what happens. Uh, seventh this week is – no, sorry. Eight. Oh, eight. Sorry, eight. Sorry. Kobe Cathedral. The aforementioned undefeated 5-0 in the SWC. The reigning SWC champions have just one game this week against New Fairfield. Uh, number nine this week is where are we? Wilbur Cross. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Number nine this week, Wilbur Cross. Yes, they're the one. They drop from four to nine. They remain in the top ten. And number ten spot, again, another team we've mentioned, Notre Dame of Fairfield. Uh, started out four and all. The last game they played was immaculate, uh, and they, but they won't be playing this week. And uh, I think they may resume again against Trafford on March fourth. So that's a look at your top ten: Prince Tech, Immaculate, West Haven, uh, and Naugatuck among the uh, teams just out. And St. Joe's sitting there at four and out too. Yeah, I mean that, that team is again. We talk. We're going to talk about with Drew McCollum about the balance of the FCAC, and then, you know St. Joe's kind of like you know, nobody's really talking about them, but. You know, behind Jason James, this is a team you just can't discount. And obviously, you went on the road at Trumbull. Uh, that's the game we've 
I saw last year at Fairfield University, but again, these no college sites. So, um, so obviously, but again, St. Joe's, you and I know from our history with Beto Montelli, it's a program you cannot discount. And I could promise you, Drew McClellan and the rest of the guys in the FCI are not discounting them. How about uh, Colby Cathedral? You know, like you said before, they uh, they won the SWC, and it's you know off to a five and zero start here. Uh, you know, it looks like uh, John Team Foles got him. Uh, you know, he won a state championship a few years ago. You know, now it's a matter of dominating the league. Is Colby Cathedral back? Are they back in? Uh, you know, the, the old school, uh, John Foles, Colby Cathedral teams of old, Joe. I don't know about that because you got to win in the, in the top division to do that. But let's put it this way. I mean, was he 10 years in between? Yeah. I believe he was 10 years in between. 1,800 kids growing up. <laughs> See, right. He watched his kids play at girls from high school and, and then his, boy, his son. And, you know, again, one of the best bank coach. He gets the most out of his kids. Yep. I mean, he, he is a wild man. I'm not afraid to say he's a wild man. On the sideline. He's, it's a, he, he toes that line between, you know, coaching and getting out on the officials, but he, he just gets the most out of them. And, and we saw where the program went in the time he wasn't there. And there's there's yeah. some good people who coach those teams. And unfortunately, it's just maybe he just resonates with them. I don't know. Yeah. yeah he I won can, Division I, Four. I mean, we, we, we've been over that one with Division Four and, and then he went back to Division Two. He would have been Division Two last year or Division Three, so they didn't have a tournament, and obviously none this year. So yeah, are they back? Yeah, they're defending SWC champions, and uh, they face Immaculate at home, I believe, next Monday. So when they face Notre Dame Fairfield, assuming they make it up, and Immaculate are both at home at the Sheehan Center. So even though there's no fans, it's still a home court advantage. And to simply answer your question, I'd say they're back. Yeah. Certainly looks like it. I mean, as, as far as John's fiery persona goes, you know, I can tell you stories. <laughs> so could I. Oh, my goodness. Um, like that well, time. I mean, yelled, you, 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 you told stories. He screamed at me you. during a, before a game. And John, John will probably laugh at this. But John got and John and I both got in a screaming match over like, you know, who's supposed to call who or, you know, there was a, somebody said something and I didn't call him up. And, you know, and he wasn't wrong. And, I, you know, I gave him my side. Oh, man. But, you know, he was uh, – listen, those teams were fun to co- fun to coach. So, Bridgeport needs something, man, because, well, you know, that's the big thing there, I think. Yeah, well, let me ask you. You've talked about we've, – we've joked about how back in the day, getting guys on the – the old school coaches like Charlie, Bentley, and, and, and so on, and, and Barry McLeod on the phone, you had to go to practice. You've said that yep. to me on the, on the show, to anybody who would listen. And Dave Agostino, another great writer, before you would say the same thing. Uh, who's working at Connecticut Post way back in the day. So I just kind of wonder, how did Colby Cathedral fit in that landscape with those three guys back then? I'm curious. Uh, how, the, how was, how they was were, it during that other league? How, how did how did that work as far as, you know, the balance? Balancing it? Colby Cathedral was kind of like, it was, I want to say shunned. But they certainly, you know, the public schools, the Hardings, that certainly looked down on them. Uh, you know, the Centrals probably didn't really consider them much. Bassick didn't care. They, they never cared about that kind of stuff. But certainly Harding, you know, but but John would, you know, what he would do, you know, Charlie would always talk about how, you know, oh, that's not, uh, you know, those kids come from this school or this, you know, this come from this area. And, you know, there was a lot of like, you know, people talking about it, well, you know, where John got his guys from. A lot of them came, you know, from Stratford maybe or uh, and things like that. But uh, and they and they and Charlie would always talk about Colby Cathedral's league. They all looked down on the league, the SWC this, the SWC that. And John just never, ever wanted to hear it. He knew that they looked down on it. He did not care. They were all about winning, winning state championships and stuff like that. And they did a lot of it, you know. But if you ever asked the, the the public school guys, it was always like, well, who do they play? Like, Massac? Come on, you know, you would hear that stuff. But right now, uh, you know, out of all the Bridgeport schools, the Bridgeport schools haven't even started this year. But, you know, with the Bridgeport schools getting out of the FCAC, you know, at least Colby Cathedral's got a, a league going on. I mean, yeah, Bridgeport Central's still there, but uh, it's not it's not the same in Bridgeport now. I mean, you know, a bunch of other options and kids are now going to like the prep schools or they're going somewhere else. And it's just, you know, I, it, it stinks. You know, the last 10 years have been really rough on Bridgeport hoops ever since Central, you know, won that last championship. Hardy and Bassett had a league they were in, but it just didn't really fit for them. So, I mean, I would love to see the Bridgeport schools getting back into the FC. I, I, I wish that was the case, but, you know, there are other things that play there. But as far as Colby goes, listen, 
I think they're back. I think, uh, I think John's got them in a really good spot there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's fun. It's, it's, it's better for basketball when the park city mm-hmm. has ballers. hundred percent. It's, it's, it's not the same. I mean, Waterbury and I'm a New Haven guy because I, where I've covered 20 years and obviously Hartford, we know about Waterbury, but yeah, you need Bridgeport to be a part of it. I mean, the whole, the Bridgeport, New Haven rivalry has been, has been built for decades. Central and Hart and Hill House. I mean, I 1970 and then 2010 i mean 40 years later they're playing in the finals i mean it's that's a history you just can't duplicate and it's it's you want you would want we i want that back i hope yeah. we do get it somewhere well at least colby's got notre dame fairfield sitting there you know some of the you know with, with yes. basically like trinity south <laughs> it's been kind of emergence there of a right uh, catholic yeah. program so that'll be interesting to see who the where their balance power is in the uh, swc so so with all that said, let's get to our guest this week, Drew McClellan of Ridgefield. Joining us on the Courtside with Joe Morelli podcast this week is Ridgefield coach Drew McClellan. Ridgefield has won three of the last four FCAC titles. They are the team to beat, no matter what he says in this podcast. Drew, welcome to the podcast. I'm finally we were able to connect. How, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, uh, thanks for having me, Sean and Joe. Um, I'm just excited to talk some hoops, uh, excited to have some hoops to talk about. Um, and I appreciate uh, those kind words that you've already said. True. I mean, we're talking before we came on. Just how has it been in this era of coaching during a pandemic? And are you surprised at all that we are even at this point of the season based on what we were facing going into the winter? Yeah, so, you know, during the whole offseason, obviously it was, you know, touch and go. And there were times when I was optimistic that we'd be able to get a to get something in. Um, and then there were times where I, you know, I was just sure that we wouldn't be able to, to have a season. And then all of a sudden they, they announced that we were going to start early. Um, so that made me feel like, well, you know, they wouldn't do that unless, you know, we were we were going to have a season. Um, and then they pushed it back. And I was, I was sort of, opt- I was optimistic that we were going to be able to do something. Um, and really what I wanted to be able to do is at least practice with our kids, just let us get in the gyms with the kids. Um, you know, side note from basketball, I think I have three daughters, um, teenagers. Wow. Uh, and I, you know, like my life is to coach and work with them. It's, you know, I think the this pandemic has been the hardest on young people. Um, you know, their social lives, their athletic lives, their academic lives, even school is weird now. You know, a lot of kids aren't aren't are going remote school. Um, so it's it's really hard. I think it's hard on adults, it's hard on me. Um, you know, I, I miss getting together with my friends or even my coaches, but I think it's the hardest on the teenagers. So I just wanted to give them something. And so, you know, we're we feel pretty up. We, we feel great that we're able to do something, but we're holding our breath the whole time. We're trying to be really safe, but you never, you just never know. So I think you can do everything right and something could still happen that could, you know, ruin your season or, or put you on hold. And that's happened to a couple of teams in the FCAC and across the state. Um, but we're, we're trying to do our part to, you know, hopefully karma can, can help us along. So Drew, based on what you just said, does it feel real yet? Yeah, it does feel it does feel real when you're able to like start to prepare for other teams. It, it didn't feel real until we got the schedule and the FCX schedule didn't come out like we were practicing for a week. Um, and so we had like what I thought, like the first three days of practice were great. I mean, kids couldn't wait to get in the gym. And then we had like a whole nother week of like, I'd say, OK, practices. Um, and I was, you know, the coaches and I were talking about it like, wow, this is this is a different group. They're not that into it. Um, they, I mean, the practices were good. We, they just weren't great. And then, you know, when the schedule came out, it gave us some, the kids something to look forward to and something to prepare for. And since then, like, you know, these kids have really, really handled this the right way. And like, it's not, you know, it's not going to, it's not a regular season. It's not the regular season or a, the same as always. Um, I think it, you know, like, There'll be a little asterisk here or there with the masks and the, you know, the, the schedules that we're playing are not, 
you know, they're not uh, equal, um, but, you know, whatever we can do to give these kids a, a, a good or positive experience, they certainly deserve that. So, you know, we're going to play it out and see what happens. We're just happy to, you know, get, get in the gym and, and, uh, and work with these young men. Richfield coach Drew McClellan joining us on the Courtside Podcast. Richfield is tied for sixth this week uh, in this week's poll with Bristol Central. The latest game time poll released on Monday. Um, three games in, I know, like I said, it's been sporadic, but averaging third margin of victory over 35 points per game. Does that even surprise you? Oh, yeah, it really surprises me. Like, so we, last year's team, um, you know, the things that they accomplished are, you know, the, it's, I think it's the best sports team, certainly the best basketball team at Ridgefield. Um, you mentioned the three playoff championships in four years. We won two regular season championships in those years. Um, you know, we had never even been, you know, Pat, we'd, we, the most we'd ever known is one playoff game in the FCX before that. Um, so they accomplished some crazy, outstanding things. And so we lost seven seniors off, off eight seniors off our team last year, five starters. Um, so, you know, we knew it would be an adjustment. We knew we had good kids coming back. Um, and some of those kids would have played last year had our team not been so good and deep. But, yes, it's been a huge surprise, the margin of victory um, and how well – um, you know, our core group has played, um, you know, I, I don't know if there's any other, any other way to say it, but we've been pleasantly surprised by how locked in, um, you know, our, our core group of players have been. You're here by way of Chicago. Now I won't speak for you, but I'll speak for Sean and I. We're old enough to remember when DePaul was good and Joey yep. Meyer and um, Ray Meyer was a little before my time, and people on this listening probably know who I'm talking about. But that's when DePaul was good in the 80s, you know, Mark McGuire and, and so on and so forth. And guys, talk about how a guy from Chicago, your life there, and how you end up in a place like Richfield. Yeah, so I grew up in upstate New York, um, and my wife um, is a lawyer, um, and so, and I'm a teacher by trade. So, um, you know, she always made more money. So we followed, you know, we went, we lived in uh, the DC area for two years. Uh, right out of college. And then we went to uh, Chicago. Um, begrudgingly, I didn't want to go to Chicago. Um, and now it's my favorite place on, in the world. Um, I love it. We lived there for 14 years. Wow. Um, you know, that's when that's where we raised our kids. Um, and the basketball in Chicago is, it's, um, you know, like, I love Connecticut. I love the I love basketball in Connecticut. It's just the level of basketball in Chicago is a whole different level. Um, and Explain so, it to you know, people so they understand. Explain it. Yeah. Where, so, where, I, where, where I, were you? I, Which side of Chicago? South. So, I was right in the city of Chicago, um, kind of on the northwest side. We lived, we lived right like in Wrigleyville. Yeah. Um, but there you the, go. The, so, I had, I had my first job um, was in Lagrange, um, which is in a western suburb. I, I coached under a great coach named Gene Heitkamp for three years there. Um, and then uh, when when we left that place, we went to a uh, all boys school called St. Patrick's on the northwest side. Um, and they they have a Hall of Fame coach named Mike Bailey. That's really where I learned uh, coaching. Um, and so you know the the example that I'll use is when I was in Chicago, and then when I first got here, I could watch the tournament and be like, coached against that guy, coached against that kid, coached against that kid, and so there'd be you know, like rarely would there be a game that came on or two games in a row where I wouldn't know one of the kids or hadn't coached against one of the kids. And so, you know, while Connecticut is great, like that doesn't happen to us. Like I don't turn on the tournament and see a bunch of these division one kids. So, you know, the, the level of basketball in probably Chicago, Philadelphia, the DC area, you know, there's a bunch of different areas, but it's just, it's a, it's a different level. Um, and then the, the way that they approach sports in the Midwest is, is um, there's just a different level of importance um, on it that I wish um, this area would gravitate to a little bit more. You know, I just recently watched a movie, I'm embarrassed to say, uh, as a hoop guy like myself, uh, Hoop Dreams, based out of Chicago. It's a sure. I mean, it's a great documentary, and I recommend anybody who's never seen or never heard it just watch it. It's really it's profiles two kids from the Chicago area. Yeah. Uh, but, um, so 
he go to he go he went from Chicago to Richfield or did you how, yeah. how did yeah, yeah. okay so yeah. so, so how um yeah. how did you you were an assistant somewhere here right before yeah. you came head coach yeah so we moved we moved from Chicago to Ridgefield um and you know we looked at a bunch of different places we looked at some places in New York um we looked at you know we looked at all the, a bunch of places in Fairfield County and we just happened to live in our land in Ridgefield um and ironically I I, uh, you know, I just said to my wife, I'll take a, I'll take a year off from coaching. Um, we'll get the lay of the land. Maybe I'll coach a youth team somewhere. Um, and I think it was mid-September when we, we got here at the beginning of August. I think mid-September, she said, you need to go find a coaching job. Uh, <laughs> and I, I won't lie, I, I was miserable. Like, we lived right in the city. Um, you know, I could walk to Wrigley Field. Um, it was, we just loved, we loved the life there. And then came to Ridgefield and it was, you know, it's different. It's slower. Um, you know, all of the above. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of friends. So, you know, and when you're coaching basketball, that's what you do. Like in Chicago, like it was, you know, I have two things that I care about most in the world, my family and basketball. I don't do a lot of other things. Um, so when we got to Chicago, I just happened to live in Ridge. We landed in Ridgefield and probably by the fall, I started to email or call Carl Charles to, um, <laughs> to ask him if he wanted an assistant. Well, for a month straight, he just didn't even respond to me. So, you know, finally, I'd say it had to be November because we start so late in Connecticut. I finally got a hold of him and said, you at least need a scout. I'll scout for you for free. Um, and so he said, okay, let's have a conversation. Um, <laughs> And I went in, he said, I'll give you 10 minutes. So I went in, we talked for an hour. Um, I went, <laughs> I started, I scouted one game for him and then he hired me as an assistant. Um, and then, you know, like he, I, I was with him for three years. I was the JV coach the next two years. Um, and then he decided, decided to retire. Um, I was going to look for other jobs. Um, but we had a conversation. He said, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to stay, I'm not going to coach for a long time more. So, you know, I decided to wait it out. And when he retired, I was lucky enough to get the job at Ridgefield. And here you are all these years later. I mean, Carl Charles, again, Sean Bowling, we know him from his days at Massick. Sure. From, Weston. Uh, he was Weston. Weston. Well, yeah, Massick and Weston. I remember him. I don't remember him at Massick. I, I, I do. Um, yeah, I haven't been there long. long I'm a little older than you. Yeah, I mean. Right. When I got uh, there, he was at Weston. He, yeah, it's it's amazing. How, how is Carl doing these days? You still he's doing stuff? well. He's doing well. Uh, you know, like I talked to him, I'd say three or four times a year. Um, you know, he he was he was so good to me, um, and I pick on him all the time. I remember, he wouldn't talk to me for three months. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, until you, know, you said uh, until you said you're going to work for free. Yes, <laughs> and then he wanted yeah. to talk to you. Yeah, of course, and, and that was the hook, right? Like you know. I'll, I'll scout for you. And, you know, like, apparently I didn't screw that up bad enough. So um, the rest is history, but yeah. So Carl's doing well. Um, I think he's thinking about getting back into coaching, but the right position hasn't, um, you know, kind of opened up for him, but I owe, I owe a lot to him. Like without him, I wouldn't have gotten into the, you know, into the coaching ranks so quickly or, you know, who knows where, who knows where it would have taken. For those who don't understand, cause it's such a long trip. What is it like coaching in Ridgefield? With fans yeah, and without, so, now without. Or, yeah, so or do you have fans? Do you have fans? They allow yeah, fans? Well, yeah, we're just, I think tonight is our, I know tonight is our first game with parent fans, two parents okay. per, per player. Um, yeah, so, you know, like there's been a lot of talk recently about, you know, that, that awful road trip to Richfield. Um, <laughs> and listen, I, you know, like, I think two things. Like, A, it, you know, like I, I, I ride those buses or, you know, like, not, not all the time anymore. I have an assistant who will ride the bus for me. Um, but like, yeah, the, that's a legit thing. Um, but listen, if we were bad, the, those bus rides wouldn't be as, you know, they wouldn't be quite as bad. Um, and then, you know, what I always say is like, all of our road trips are long. Like even Wilton and, and Danbury, which is our neighbor um, towns, like those are 15 or 20 minutes. But like when we go anywhere else, those are all 45 minutes. So all our road trips are, you know, like, you know, on that bus and, and their pain, but yeah. So, you know, like when people come to Ridgefield for that one or two trips a year, I think it's a, you know, I think it's an advantage for us. Um, but I, I think the real advantage is 
when they get in the gym and there's a good team that's prepared to play and a lively crowd. Like we always, we have a real, we, they call it the Tiger's Lair and the Tiger's Lair has been, um, you know, so supportive to us. And that, that, that's a big thing we're missing this year. I, you know, feel bad for those kids. How much snow did you get last night? Anything? No, I, that's a bad topic. That's a, that's a soft topic for me. Like we're, uh, you know, like I, I said this, so I, I taught and coached in, in uh, Chicago for 14 years, zero snow days, not one snow day. Um, and I grew up in, uh, yeah, zero snow days. And then, yeah, zero. Um, in upstate New York, I grew up in upstate New York and like, you know, we would get pounded with snow and, you know, it's just a different culture here. Um, so you know, like when we get two inches of snow and we don't play a game for three days um, or even four inches, it, it's a little bit of a, a tough. That a is, tough yeah, that game. is frustrating. That is, so, I don't, so, Drew, so I don't Drew, understand when, that. Go ahead. So, Drew, when they, the old, the old, my parents would say, oh, we used to walk to school and yes. 12 inches of snow. And I mean, is that kind of what it was like in Chicago, upstate New York, and people went because they're so used to the 10 inches of snow or? Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. You know, not to belabor the point, but like you just were used to it. And, you know, when I moved here, you know, it's not, we don't live in, in the South. We don't live in, you know, like Florida or North Carolina, we're going to get snow. I just think we could be a little bit more, I think we could do a little bit more with it um, and not be so proactive to shut down or close, but you know, that's way out of my hands and we're just, we're wasting, wasting time talking about that no i'm gonna bring one more story just waste some more time but i remember this is close to sean Bowley's heart but because i remember covering a game in syracuse and and having to go drive home the next day and they, they talk like we're gonna get six inches like it's nothing i'm like we're gonna get six inches i gotta drive in this but that's like it's nothing for they're so used to it. whereas texas yes. they're going through something that they they have no comprehension of how to handle it's, it's a completely different thing yeah yeah it, it really is it's a i think it's a culture like so when we lived in DC, you know, I would, the first, those two years, we would have like rain days. Like they were worried it might snow. Um, and, you know, I'd text my friends in New York, hey, we just had a rain day. It's 36 degrees. And they, they thought it might get down to 32. And we might get a sprinkling. And, you know, like they're, yeah, we got nine inches last night in head school. So it's just a little bit different. And it's tough, you know, like when you're trying to, for, you know, like it's not, it's not me. It's all these coaches are out here um you know trying to get some momentum with what you're what you're trying to do and then you know like for instance we were supposed to play staples and danbury and we, we flipped that scout around three or four times with our kids um you know no we're not playing them now we're playing them so it's just a little confusing for the kids it's it's, it's all the same for all the for all the coaches it's not you know an advantage or disadvantage for richfield richfield coach drew mcclellan joining us on the podcast every year i always hear the same thing it's FCM balance, 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 balance. Well, for the guys won three out of the last four, how balanced is it? And how do you, who do you like? What, what do you see in the uh, league landscape? Yeah, so let me hit the first topic first. Like, um, you know, I, I don't agree with a certain writer who talks about how down the FCAC is every single year. I just think, <laughs> I just think it's a little different. I respect that guy a lot. You guys know that. Yeah. Um, I just think it's different than it was like, listen, I've been here for 10 years and we just talked about like, there aren't, there weren't that any, there weren't division one players besides Kurt Seidel then, um, you know, there, there, there's, you know, like we lose some players to the prep school. That's a, that's a thing. Um, so it's different now. It's different. Um, but I, I just think, I, I think this for sure, the organization and the scouting and the coaching is way better right now in the FCAC um, than it was when I got here. Um, there were a couple teams where, you know, we, the, with Carl Charles's teams, we would walk in and, and beat them by 50 just by showing up. Um, you know, our margin of victory aside this year, like that just doesn't happen. Like we had a really good team last year, you know, and we might've won three games by more than 10 points. Um, it's just, to me, like the coaching and the scouting and the balance, there's a lot of teams. Now, listen, you're always going to have three or four teams that are, you know, better than other teams. But I, I think the FCAC is in a, I think it's in a good spot. I wouldn't say it's, you know, the best um, 
league in the state. I would say it might be the deepest league in the state um, when you go all the way down to the bottom teams. But, you know, like last year, I think Trinity Catholic had their best team since I've been here, 10 years. Certainly not, you know, better than the teams, you know, that you guys remember. Um, but Fairfield Ward probably had their best team ever. Uh, New Canaan's, you know, their team is the best it's been in a long time. It was Ridgefield's best team ever. Uh, Ludlow, that's as good a team as they've had. So the, I don't think the FCA can be way down if all those schools um, have their best teams ever um, or their programs are in the best spots ever. Now, listen, you know, like some of the traditional schools aren't as good as they once were. Um, but I, I just think it's different. I mean, Wilton, Wilton's in a different spot than they've ever been in. So, you know, like it is, you know, it's all relative to what people think, but I, I really think the FCAC is, it's a good league. Um, and I don't just say that cause we've had success in it. Like, um, you know, it's just, it's just different than it was. It's definitely different. Um, what, what do you feel about, you know, over the last 10 years, it's, it's a dramatically changed league as well. I mean, Trinity, first of all, is gone, you know, and they used to cause everybody headaches. Uh, two of the Bridgeport schools and then even Central kind of fell off the map after winning all those state championships. You know, losing all those city schools in Bridgeport, which were so good for so long. Um, and it used to be the battles between the Bridgeport, Harding and Trinity. And all of a sudden that's just gone. I mean, you came in that kind of at the tail end of that. But I mean, it, it, but it's, dif- it's different. I don't know if it's any better or worse, but I mean, to me, losing those schools over the over time seems to have changed the league fundamentally and it's just much different i guess is that right coach yeah i think 100 percent it's changed it but like we said like i think other i think other teams have gotten better um because of that like someone said something to me and so i looked that up so i think i think um like a suburban school um you know hasn't won a championship before we did um in i don't know how many years um, now, listen, I, I spent a lot of time in Chicago, so, um, you know, I, I have a hard time with, um, you know, like which one of these is Norwalk a city um, or whatever. I mean, there's or inner city or like whatever, like there's some. So, you know, like I think the FCAC, the strong, the stronger teams in the FCAC have changed a little bit. And I think, again, like I think that's because of the coaching and the program building that's happened with those teams. There, there's suburban teams that are still not very good or, you know, they don't have a strong um, program build, but they're, you know, like that just seems to be in my opinion right now, where without being negative, I think that's where the stronger coaching and the more um, the level of interest is. Um, and, you know, one of my assistants mentioned maybe like, some of the more of these kids are playing AAU than before. So, you know, they're, they're used to it, but I, I, I said it, I'll say it from the Ridgefield part. Like when we, a couple of years ago, um, maybe six years ago, five years ago, we won two playoff games and then we went and played Hill house. And, you know, I love my guys, but we were scared. We were scared to play Hill house. Um, and they, that was the good Hill house team, right? Was that the yeah, good, real yeah, good? Yeah. yeah. At their place. Um, and it was the big, core, know, the big core, right? The big core. Um, and like we were, you know, I don't think we weren't going to, if we played them 10 times, we might've beaten them once, but we weren't going to beat them that night. Cause my guys were, you know, intimidated right off the bat. Um, and so listen, if we went and played Windsor or East Catholic now, you know, they're, they're probably going to beat us more than we're going to beat them, but my guys aren't going to be intimidated or scared anymore. Um, and I think that's a big difference. Like, you know, the first couple of years we would go play Bassic or those other teams. It was a, it was a struggle just like um, emotionally or um, psychologically. Um, and we're just, you know, it's just a basketball game. Um, and, you know, we handle that a lot differently now. So I don't know if that's a, I, I can only speak from our perspective and my being in the locker room with my guys. Um, you know, that's, that's what I've observed. We could probably talk on this next topic, but we'll end with this topic. We could do a couple hours, but since we don't have a state tournament this year, we have time to think about how we can redo the format in our, at least our own little way. I know you have some thoughts about time in between games and how many divisions you have the floor. Yeah. So, um, you know, like, listen, 
when when they went to Division One, um, you know, Ridgefield was in Division One because we had had a strong, um, ironically, playoff state playoff history. Um, we had won my first couple of years, couple playoff, couple state playoff games, um, and then some FCAC um, tournament. Um, we got to the FCAC tournament. So when we were in the Division One tournament the first year, you know, I was, you know, I looked at the other teams and I was like, how how are how are we in this? We Did you try to opt out? Did you try to opt out? Yes, that? Yeah, I tried to opt out. There I were mean, several that tried and didn't. The yeah. only ones that were Colby Cathedral and Darien, I think, in their division. Yeah. I think those are the only two. I, I mean, I had I had stats. I had all these stats, and my athletic director came with me, and I, I swear to God, they were like, you know, it was like when my one of my daughters tries to plead about going to do something, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, the answer is no. Um, and so, you know, I didn't, I don't think they were hearing us at all. And then, you know, like I have said to my boys lately, like when you win an FCX championship, when we've done the things that we've done, you know, that's my joke afterwards, but you know, we're in division one forever now. Um, and that's good. You know, that's good. That's a, it was a huge our, uh, compliment for our program when we were in there and we're still in there, um, especially from where we came from. Um, so a couple things like number one is there's, it's really hard. So for instance, last year, we went 21 and two um, and lost one game in the FCAC, which, you know, like whatever you think about the FCAC, it's one of the better conferences. Um, and then you get to this division one playoff and you get your earn a buy, but listen, I, I don't want, I want to play games with my guys. I don't want buys. I want to play games. So you earn a buy and then, you know, like you have it, we were going to play Glastonbury um, and then you get East Catholic. So your reward for, you know, having this season is one playoff game and then East Catholic. Um, and the, you know, like the way that I think Ridgefield are the, my team is our program is situated. Like, I think we can beat, you know, I think we can beat some of these teams. I think it's really hard to think that the way that we're built year after year, we're going to be able to win five games or four games against those type teams. Um, but, you know, like we're in there and we'll do that now. What I wish they would do is make the field bigger so that teams could have some success before they got to the big boys. Um, and so, you know, like even a 32 um, team field in division one. Um, but, you know, like, I think if we're in the division two, um, tournament the last three or four years, like, listen, I, I think, I think we would have a great deal of success. Um, and so, you know, there's that whole like school of choice, um, versus, you know, public school thing. And I don't think there are enough school of choices in, in Connecticut to have a, like some people say they should, a lot of coaches will say they should have a separate bracket. I just yeah. don't know if there's enough. Um, and I don't know if it's fair to them. Um, I don't have the, uh, I don't have the perfect idea. I think, I think there should be less divisions. Yeah, um, I'm with you. you know, I could almost say there be, should be two. I think in a perfect world for me, there are two divisions. Now that makes the tournament like a couple games longer, um, three divisions. Um, but I don't think there's any need for five. Right. Um, and then, you know, you have, you just have less teams. The problem with the division one is that they cut basically they, they prorate everybody's power and then they dump them all into the same bracket, which is why you don't have any, you know, some poor double L schools are in there and they kind of get lumped into all these. And that's probably, sure. you know, you might get one, but the chances are because there are so few teams, you're going to get a really good team right out of the box. And I, sure. you know, they don't really adjust it well enough in, in my opinion. And part, part of it is they have too many championships we've said that forever joe and i especially yeah. five is ridiculous yeah, um but the, the way everything is just is spread out it's just it just it doesn't make any real sense to me i've always thought it should be like you know you, you get the ccc the sec and the fcac and if you're in those leagues that's the that's the tournament you're in you know and wherever you finish there if you qualify for the state tournament you get put in there and then you know then you have the smaller leagues the shorelines, the Berkshires, and you get put, you know, on that. Maybe you have a third one, but you know, two or three tops, right? I was yeah, okay I, with four, to be honest. You and I have argued on that topic, and yeah. I know a lot of people disagree with me, and that's fine. I did, I think it's 
in part, Coach, it, this was created for those small schools because they can't compete with the bigger schools. But, I mean, there's great points both ways, more so yours and mine because you're coaching. But um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, these are great points. Yeah, listen, listen I, I, I just think I wish they would just re-examine it. And so one of my what so two things. One in Chicago, so Windsor is like the eight seed last year, right? Yes. Windsor is the one or the two seed, like period. Like they lost three games. And so in, in Chicago, Florida. in Chicago, like wherever your region is, like those coaches get together and they vote on who the, what the seating is. So you get like two minutes to talk about your schedule, your big wins, your your losses, and then everyone votes on, now this is like two weeks before the tournament starts, and then everyone votes on the seedings. And so to me, wow. like, that's another thing that, you know, like, listen, it takes a little extra work, um, but like, there's no, like, like, whoever was the nine seed last year, like you shouldn't have to run into Windsor the first game. Yeah. Um, and then there are a lot of examples like that. Like, you know, some, some, honestly, some schools are 21 and all, but like, who did they play? Um, so there's a lot of, I just think that they need to re-examine this. And then my issue with a lot of this stuff is the shot clock, the off season coaching, the state tournament is, I don't feel like they have any interest in, listening or asking the coaches um their their opinions on this stuff um and they're in the trenches like we're in the trenches with it so you know i, I just think there should be more back and forth um and they can make it bigger and they could just make it better that's the only thing i'm really interested in like you know i don't want a shot clock because necessarily it helps ridgefield i think it makes our our game better i don't you know want off-season coaching because it's going to make our team better or you know me happier I think it makes our whole if, if we're worried about like the state of Connecticut basketball not being as good um or the FCAC or wherever then you know let us let us help let us coach these kids a little bit more um I just think it all, all these things makes our um venue better um and and, and you know I would love to I, w I wish they would explore some of these things instead of, you know, like, listen, Connecticut starts, it's the latest starting date in the, in the country. Um, I think, you know, like New Jersey and some other state, but like in my, my coaching friends in Chicago start the second week of November. They're, you know, they're three weeks in before we even start. Um, and, you know, we could spend another 45 minutes on why, why that is, but all these things are affecting our, you know, our game, um, and, 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 you know, the product that we put on the floor. Well, I wish I had more time myself. That was Richfield coach Drew McClellan tied for six in the latest game time CT poll. Drew, you're three and oh, keep it going. Congratulations. Thank you for the time. And we'll talk to you along the way. Okay. I appreciate that. Thanks a lot, guys. I love the, uh, I love the coverage that uh, that you guys give, um, and obviously, you know, it, it's for the boys um, and the girls, all the sports. But like, um, we appreciate that, and you know, like with the, you know, the state of the newspapers, it's important, and we appreciate um, the little bit of coverage um, that that you guys give, or the lot of bit of coverage that you guys give um, uh, our players, because you know they're deserved and they're working hard. And um, anyways, uh, shout out to you guys for that. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, guys. It's going to cut out in about two seconds. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you. Good luck. Thanks, Drew. So, Joe, that was Bridgefield coach Drew McClellan. And, uh, yeah, passionate guy. He's got a lot of opinions, huh? Um, he's got, a, I think, is a pretty good – uh, I, you know, a pretty good look at how the state tournaments rerun. We, we have talked about that stuff since – forever i think since even since like the 1930s they're trying to figure this out and they you know nobody ever is going to be happy in boys basketball it seems like the easiest to fix yeah it's the toughest to fix i think well i i yeah you and i have disagreed on it and, that, and that, like i said everybody's in top their opinion and we're in this situation because of what sacred heart valley and in trinity catholic and in westbrook that finally was the thing that kind of pushed it over the edge now how do you now you're trying to appease so many people and Again, that's not something they have to worry about, 
but they have, but there's time to work on it next year, assuming we were back to normal. So yeah, he's got, he's from Chicago. Talk about, there's so many things you can talk about with him, but the, the, the biggest thing is Richfield is the team to beat in the FC. Yeah. They own the league. Period. And the story. Even when he had, yeah. That's it. I mean, this is, this I'm, Again, I picked against them, and it's not even that important. It's just, they have proven that they are. They beat in everybody. Until you can beat them, they're the team to beat. And every coach in the league, deep down, knows it. Period. Yeah, he's done a really great job there. Yes, he has. Uh, he's great. Yeah. I mean, he believe me. He we we ran that. I mean, a lot, it was prickly for a lot of people coaches survey of the, who the best coaches were and, and we kept anonymity for the most part but the guy who got the third most votes was drew mccall mm-hmm. so um we didn't bring that up in the interview he was long enough but yeah i mean behind uh luke riley who's a great bench coach and obviously kenny smith who's renowned i mean there's so many good coaches out there it's, but yeah i mean he in that short period of time has earned a great deal of respect and you how do you get that respect by winning and conducting a class program and that's what richfield is yeah. So, well, I mean, at least they get a chance to maybe, maybe play uh, for FCX championship again. Um, you know, these are weird times, but uh, that'd be nice. Um, Joe, we're about to wrap it up here. Um, you know, I, I, I pause to say, what are we looking at for this week? But yep. <laughs> it's just so much movement. I couldn't even tell you what's, what's, okay. what are we looking well, for? I, I it can can't. change. And go and ahead. As Joe. you said, this is assuming no pauses, and we're going to do an ode to Syracuse. And you know, but we obviously oh, we just boy. wrote about JoJo Wallace, and and I know you were pretty proud. So you should get to show off your wall because that's you right, John Wallace back in the day, his father, and obviously, as somebody said, everybody in SWC knew who he was, and obviously, John Paul knows, as we mentioned. But I mean, again, a kid who's obviously has a legacy, and he's obviously averaging almost twenty eight a game. But um, to answer your question, the reason I bring it up, Big Monday, right? That was the biggest thing when we were growing up, Sean. Big Monday at ESPN. Big Monday. So if it all works out, three games of interest. Notre Dame West Haven at Fairfield Prep. Always a drag-out battle between those foes at Alumni Hall. Again, it's the original Alumni Hall. It's the Alumni Hall that I recognize from growing up in Stratford. And obviously, it's been a year that they postponed building the new one so this will be one of the last games in alumni hall i, I assume uh they will not be put off another year immaculate colby cathedral we mentioned that already i mean immaculate had not lost an swc regular season game since 2018 until last monday february 15th when they lost at Notre of fairfield so again if immaculate wants to stay in this race for the top seed they need to win at colby cathedral tough place to win in the sheen incident as you know and obviously, we mentioned already, number two Windsor at number three Northwest Catholic next Monday night, 645. That's where I hope to be if if we are playing. So um, I'm looking forward to a good week of basketball. And I'm hopeful that these games get continue to get played. But as we know, issues are going to pop up and we just have to deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think we'll call that a podcast for this week. Thanks a lot, Joe. And thanks a lot, Drew McClellan, for joining us from Ridgefield. Uh, for Joseph Morelli, I am Sean Patrick Bowley. This has been Courtside on Game Time CT.